This is Andy, and welcome to the newest season of the podcast. We're so excited to be sharing some incredible behavioral therapy programs for you to learn about. And whether you're just interested in learning and getting educated, or whether you're actually evaluating some programs, this should truly be an interesting, inspirational, educational season. So if you have any questions, feel free, as always, to reach out to me at Andy at We'd really appreciate it if you gave us a good review on Apple Podcasts so it could reach more people. And sit back and enjoy. Yes. Hi, this is Andy, and welcome to our newest episode of the Wilderness Therapy and Residential Treatment Center Journey Podcast. Last episode, we spoke with Dory Francis of the Horizon Family Solution. She shared with us how parents have unique opportunities and challenges when they adopt their children. If you haven't yet tuned in, I recommend you do. To date, we've spoken a bit about substance abuse and substance use on this podcast. Let me do that again. To date, we've spoken a bit about substance use on this podcast. For example, Claudia Christian talked to us about alcoholism while Allie Armbruster Bennett shared her story battling drugs and overcoming her demons. But we haven't yet interviewed someone who runs a program that truly focuses solely on substance abuse. Stonewater Adolescent Recovery Center, located in Oxford, Mississippi, is a specialized facility and program for boys. They have a residential treatment center, substance use treatments, and even dual diagnosis treatments. Looking forward to digging into that a little bit. I found the dual diagnosis aspect very interesting as substance use can often be associated with mental health disorders such as anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, and even trauma. In these cases, both the substance use and mental health disorder need to be treated together. As a result, I'm really pleased and excited to be able to speak with Elizabeth Fikes, who's Stonewater's founder and director of outreach and communications. She helped found Stonewater after 10 years of international business development for one of the largest U.S. housewares companies. And I love these stories that inspire people. When her brother Brian began struggling with substance use at an early age, she learned firsthand what it was like to see a sibling change in the throes of substance use and face the necessity of long-term treatment. She understands that Substance use affects not only the adolescent, but the entire family and became passionate about sharing your family's experience with other families at the crossroads of seeking treatment for their child. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, glad to have you. So uh, we always start this off. I always, uh, we, we talked about your brother, Brian, and, and you've shared his, his background with me and your passion. And I loved hearing about it. Can you share with the audience and the listeners your, your background and what led you to this place? Sure. Uh, when my brother was 16, we found out as a family that he had at that time a life-threatening addiction, drug addiction. And we were pretty blindsided by it. I wouldn't say that we were in denial. We really were pretty oblivious. We had seen certainly a change in his behaviors, but we, he's the only boy in the family. Uh, and, you know, we just thought it was a teenage boy, you know, this is a phase he's going through, or he had actually, he was, 
ADHD, had been diagnosed as ADHD and had gotten on some ADHD medicine. And we thought maybe this is just the medicine. And we explained it away and, and never thought that it was substance use. And so by the time that we did find out, find out it was pretty progressed. So we went through that process together as a family, the experience of getting him residential treatment. He did a 90-day residential treatment program followed by a year long of therapeutic boarding school. And thankfully, um, in May, we will celebrate 18 years of recovery for him and uh, have just become very passionate about helping other families who are in the same situation as we were. Amazing. And um, 18 years is quite an accomplishment. And yeah. I'm sure it wasn't easy what you were going through that at that time as teenage kids. That's right. Terrifying. Yeah. And um, you decided with your brother to get into this after being in the in the um, in the private business world, uh, working with uh, um, working in the housewares industry. Right. So that's so, right. So what 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 changed your perspective in terms of wanting to get out of that industry and what talents did you bring to bring to uh, your current role? Yeah, that's a great question. I would never have thought what I was doing in my former life, as I kind of now refer to it, was transferable. But I helped launch our brand in international markets. So a lot of times that meant we were starting from the ground up, creating the brand and consumer experience in different countries around the world. And so a lot of that kind of launch mentality and um, really being certain of who you are as a brand, knowing your identity and ensuring that that identity is so strong that it can be represented. You can have the, a uniform experience, even with a lot of different variables, regardless of what country you're in, has become very transferable because what we find at Stonewater is we, before we ever opened, we wanted to be so clear about who we were and um, make sure that we were communicating that well to families and ensure that families from California or from Mississippi or whether it was substance use or anxiety or depression or suicidality or no matter what demographic background they were coming from, they could have a uniform experience with us even though it was greatly tailored to their child. Um, we wanted our, our we, we care a lot about our brand um, being consistent in that way. Neat. Sounds like you, you developed some good marketing chops that transferred over for <laughs> sure. So what is it about a program like yours that is focused on substance abuse? Uh, make it, what makes it unique? I wouldn't say that we're f focused only on substance use, actually. Um, we treat young men with substance use or, you know, substance abuse, but the way that we treat it is really by finding out what's going on underneath the surface. You know, why are they using to begin with? What's going on in the family? What experiences have they had? Is it for, is it social pressure? Is it trauma? Um, there's a whole range of experiences that uh, might lead someone who is an adolescent to use substances. 93% of our guys are 
using marijuana as the, the real problematic substance, which surprises a lot of people because I think our culture has, you know, made people feel a bit confused about whether or not marijuana is a good thing or a bad thing. And the adolescents that come to us, a lot of times they're saying, well, I use it for my anxiety. I use it for my depression. It helps. And they're convincing parents of this too. And so, um, you know, all that data that they, they quote is for adults. So none of the data that's out there, that research that um, is being used for the benefits of marijuana is, is talking about adolescent use. And so it's a very different drug when it's on the adolescent brain, a developing brain. And so what we know is that we've got to get to the root of what's going on. It often creates anxiety or exacerbates it if it was already there. Um, so we got to address that. And we're very purpose-focused and family-focused. So we're really um, finding out what these guys are good at, what they are motivated by, and incorporating that as much as we incorporate the substance use piece, because we know that adolescents are short-term thinkers. That's the way they're wired. Um, that has nothing to do with substance use or mental sure. health. It's or, maturity. That's right. Um, yeah. And that's it's they, exacerbated by social media, number one. Certainly. And number two, by virtue of the fact that marijuana use is obviously legal in a number of places now, so it's more widely accepted. That's right. Certainly. And accessible. And accessible. Yeah. Um, so, so purpose is such a huge piece of what we do also so that we can get these guys reconnected with those things that they're good at and they care about because that's what helps them think a little bit more long-term. If we bring them to Stonewater and just educate them about why substance use is bad, uh, we don't have much of a shot at seeing these guys be successful long-term, but where we really see them get engaged and, and re-excited about their lives, ready to restore relationships with their families is, is this purpose piece, that the mental health piece, emotional health, and then involving the families in their treatment. Excellent. So you have a private school. Can you tell me why you incorporated that in your service platform? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there are programs out there that don't incorporate private school. We felt strongly about it because it is a part of their lives and it's a part that they are most likely across the board gonna be going back to as an adolescent. And a lot of times what we've seen is that there are a lot of stressors for adolescents around the academic environment. And often they might be stressors that they haven't identified or articulated to their parents or guardians or, or those around them. Um, the kind of stressors that we see really range. It could be a young man who's taking five AP classes to get into the college that he wants to live up to his siblings, a lot of pressure to, to perform. It could be that he's ADHD and hasn't been supported by his educators in the way that he needs to be. Um, perhaps he has really smart, but as processing challenges. And these things can ultimately lead to some insecurity in the classroom. And, um, and then beyond that, then uh, to substance use as kind of a coping, coping mechanism. So if we don't identify that there are stressors around the classroom, 
then they're going to go right back into that environment and it's going to be a real challenge for them. Uh, we have our academic advisor who sits in with our clinical staffing team each week and helps them understand how the classroom impacts each young man so that the clinical team can then take that into consideration as they're working on their treatment plan. Excellent. So it's, it's integrated. That's right. It helps them reintegrate too when they leave Stonewater because that's what it's about too, not just them being successful on our campus, but when they leave our campus. Right. Right. So we talked a little bit about um, substance use and accessibility and social media. Um, can you tell us why um, associated mental health issues continue to grow for adolescents? Uh, how long did you say that we have, Andy? <laughs> I know. It's a big topic. It's pretty broad, uh, yeah. but, but it is, I, I like to hear different takes on it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what we see, there's there's so many different components of it. One is that technology really stunts the, the skill development, um, interpersonal skill development of adolescents today. They're doing everything behind a screen. And so when they're saying something critical to someone, they don't have to see that person, that person's eyes welling up with tears, or they don't have to hear that person's voice as they respond either with anger or with hurt. They don't have to experience that. They don't have to read the social cues that someone emotes via body language or, or you know, different tonalities when they respond. And uh, I think it may, makes them more brazen they'll say things that they certainly wouldn't say in person, but then also they're not adept at reading social cues and therefore become really anxious, but very normal, what we would call normal, mundane social interactions, you know, seeing a, a cashier in a grocery store, that can be really anxiety inducing for teenagers today because it's a stranger and they just don't feel comfortable in, um, in those kind of social interactions. And then you have on the flip side, just the, the comparing, the constant comparing to what's usually kind of a, a fake life, a fake reality, and all of the, um, the constant comparison, I think, is what you see leading to that feeling of less than, the feeling of not in, being included. They can see where one another are via Snapchat or these GPS apps. Right. They know when they're not being included in a party. And um, and I think that that leads to suicidality and, and depression and, and further anxiety. Makes sense. And, and I think adults are challenged by that sometimes too, and even though they're more mature. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, do you have any recommendations about what parents can do to best stay in front of their children before they get into substance use or before they get triggered by all this technology and have all these mental health issues? Are there, are there, you know, this, this podcast is about parents mm -hmm. and some parents are in the throes of dealing with their children with their mental health issues or substance use issues or, or what have you, but some are kind of, you know, um, interested in the topic or had an older child or, or what have you, is there, are there things that, uh, again, that, um, parents can do a little bit more proactively to support their children so that they don't go down that path? Yeah, I think that 
the first one is just connection. You know, the, the more time that you're spending as a parent with your child, the more connected you are to them as a person, the more comfortable they feel discussing things with you. Um, it's really important. I don't think there's any way to put a value on just spending time each day with your child doing something that they want to do, not necessarily that you want to do. I think that's really important. And I think it's very important for parents to also monitor and supervise. Today's society has made parents believe this lie that they are breaking their child's confidentiality or um, their privacy if they read their text messages, if they look at their Snapchats, if they monitor their Instagram. And this is really important because this these are the methods that teenagers today are using to, to learn about harmful coping mechanisms, whether it's substance use or self-harm cutting or, or something else, um, to connect with perhaps influences that aren't going to be positive influences in their life and their lives. And so parents need to be involved. You can have full disclosure with your child that you're doing that. And I encourage you to, but they, they need to be um, in the, in the loop. I would agree a hundred percent. The more you're connected and the more, you know, what's going on and the more you have an honest relationship, I think it's just a tough balance in terms of where adolescents feel like they need to be independent and make their own decisions and where parents are kind of prying. Yeah. Right? And, I, and, and it's about safety. It's not about prying. Right. Yeah. And you know, if, if you make it a habit though, from the beginning, then it doesn't feel so accusatory when you're looking through things because you've also started seeing some unusual behavior. Right. Um, and it doesn't and, feel like it's being put on them because they've always done it. That's right. Um, and another thing that I would say in response to your question is, you know, be observant as a parent, be looking for these signs that anything is unusual. It can be small things. It doesn't have to be some massive change in your child. Look for changes in friend groups, in the um, the things that they're wearing, their sleep patterns, their eating patterns, if they're all of a sudden much more moody, if, if they're being verbally, it doesn't necessarily have to be abusive, but um, if they're responding to you verbally differently than they have before, sure. don't if dismiss they're, If they're not doing as well in school. That's right. Great one. Yeah. Don't yeah. just dismiss those things. And don't think that um, seeking out some form of treatment is an overreaction. I think as a parent, it's much better to overreact than, than underreact or, or react too, too late. When parents are, um, not when parents, when children are battling these substances and are at your program and you're helping them, how do parents stay engaged? How do you, how do you um, bring them along as part of the journey in terms of mm -hmm. the, the, the you know, the, the help that your, their children are getting and how they can um, get better themselves. Right. Data, not just Stonewater's data, but data across the industry shows that family engagement is one of the strongest indicators of long-term success for those in treatment. 
And so we know as a family how important that is. And, and we believe that it has to be incorporated as a, as a big part of any program. Our parents are given a separate family recovery support coach that is a, a licensed therapist who is working with them virtually throughout their child's treatment to help them learn the tools and skills that they need to communicate better, to respond differently, to set set boundaries, but also implement boundaries. That, that's a tough thing, you know? It's it's easy to say, it's a lot harder to do. And it's, so- It's harder to keep them. That's right. And so parents also need to do some work in these areas. I heard someone say this week that no child has the same two parents. And I, you know, that's just a reflection of parents are changing too with each child. You're not parenting each child the exact same way. And, and parents need those skills um, in the same way that, that kids do. And then our parents also um, eventually do collaborative sessions with the child's primary therapist um, and them all together so that they can navigate some of these things about returning home and, and maybe some things that have come up in therapy, individual therapy together. And then they also do family days on campus, which are a time to meet other families. I cannot tell you how important it is that families just get to connect with others who get what they're going through, who can relate to their experiences. And it's an awesome thing to see a family who's been with us for, you know, almost three months, helping a family who's just there in their first week. And it's very easy to remember where you were. And that kind of support is, is just really invaluable. Right. Can you tell me about the, um, size of your operation and a little bit about your campus or facility? Um, as well as, um, given that it's dealing a lot with substance use, um, uh, how, how insurance works, if at all? Oh, sure. Uh, well, our campus, we treat adolescent boys ages 12 to 18 years old. We have 16 guys maximum, so it's a small milieu where they can get a lot of individualized attention. We're on 65 acres in Oxford, Mississippi. So for those who aren't familiar with Mississippi, that's in the northern part of the state. Our families fly into the Memphis airport, but it's a really beautiful place. And we've put great intention behind um, having a place that does not communicate that these guys are a problem or that this is punishment rather a, a beautiful place where they can come and heal and get back on track. And again, get reconnected with all those things that they're good at and, and restore relationships. We have a variety of experiential therapies like art therapy, nature therapy, adventure therapy. We do equine therapy with horses and pet therapy with dogs. And then we also have a DBT platform, which is a very skills-based therapy that is helping guys learn actionable skills they can perform when they're dysregulated or, um, you know, emotionally distressed. And then we also have, of course, the family components. Those are on campus twice a month. And we want to make it as, it as accessible as possible to families. Um, we, we do take insurance we're out of network with any major provider and 
Often we have scholarships that are also available. We like to see diversity within our, our family group. And, and we think that that's valuable too, to, to give perspective. And more and more families are getting engaged directly and coming to the campus given COVID's kind of on the way out. Yeah, you know, we have to watch that closely during the time when travel was locked down and, and it was at a higher, certainly rate nationally, we weren't able to invite our families to campus. So big kudos to all those families who came through our program and weren't able to visit during the entire time. But now we are doing it in a very measured and safe way. We're taking a lot of precautions still. We have around the clock nursing too, which helps us in really being able to ensure caution when approaching it. Great. Um, as we're getting towards the end here, I wanted to ask you about um, a C.S. Lewis quote uh, that seems to have resonated with you and that's on your website that I found kind of interesting. So hardships are hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Why did that resonate with you? And why is that on your website under your, under your bio? Yeah, I consider myself a pretty ordinary person getting to do something that is rather extraordinary now, which is see life change and be a part of life change for families who are going through exactly what we went through almost 18 years ago. You know, when Families call us so often, they're not saying, oh, wow, I saw that incredible page on your website about dialectical behavior therapy. They're saying, I watched your video, your family's video, and some part of it resonated with me and the experience that we're having right now. And I knew that Stonewater is the place that I wanted to send my child. And, you know, I'm not a clinician, no one in my family, we're not the clinicians or the, the medical doctors that we have on our team. We have an incredible team that does phenomenal work with the guys that we, that we treat. And I think what is, is so cool is that an experience that we had as ordinary people has shaped us and provided this opportunity to to work with families who are going through that same thing awesome that's the best explanation of a quote i've ever heard <laughs> so um for interested parents how can they find out more about stonewater and reach you guys sure uh, we have a website stonewaterrecovery.com and then they can email me or call me directly. I'm pretty accessible. You want me to just give you my phone number? If you'd like. Yeah, 662-871-7912. That's me directly. And if I'm not available, I'll connect you with someone who can talk to you on our admissions team. Let us know that you heard us on Andy's show. And yeah, um, yeah. and if, and listen, if, if it's, if you have a daughter and not a son, or if it doesn't sound like if you have an adolescent who's struggling, and even if they're not a right fit for our program, we're going to help get you connected to all of the other amazing partners that we're connected with in this industry who are doing really awesome adolescent work. Um, 
That's great. So, you have your you have your niche, but you're willing to help others. Oh, absolutely. So so call regardless, and we'll help you. Right. And if you give out your phone number, that means that's it's always real. an indication for me about <laughs> customer service and responsiveness. So that says a lot. All right. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. It was great to have you on the show, and thanks for all you do for families in our community and for those facing substance abuse in their families. Oh, thank you so much, Andy, for all that you do and just for allowing us to connect with families. One of the things that was so difficult and is so often difficult is families are in this situation and they don't know what to do and they don't know who to reach out to. And uh, it's a very difficult situation to navigate on your own. So we just appreciate all the work that you do to help parents avoid feeling like that. Absolutely. We don't want parents to feel alone. That's for sure. So next episode, we will be speaking to Brittany Garner. She runs a unique program for sober living called the Phoenix. I hope you'll tune in. Parents, uh, as we wrap up, please remember, take care of your children and empower yourself with information at Parents Journey.